Hey now, and welcome to Where Wine Takes You, a wine podcast that gets behind the bottle. We get to the story, we get to the people, we get to the crux of it all, the the bones of what makes wine so special, and it's all about place. And in this case, it's the place that's doing it better than any other place, and that is Paso Robles Wine Country, baby. I am your host, Adam Montiel. We are super excited about today's episode. Before we get right into it, I want to remind you there's still a little bit of time left to get into the Aragreto. That sounded pretty legit. That sounded pretty good. Uh, the our, We have a giveaway going on with the Aragreto Vineyard Resort in Paso Robles. This is an amazing stay. If you have not seen this luxurious property, the Aragreto is like, it's like nothing you've ever seen. I mean, the Ayers Hotels have been around for a while, but what Doug Ayers literally traveling the world and then seeing something in maybe this country or that continent and being like, yeah, let's, let's bring that back with us. You know, putting on a container, let's bring it back home. Unreal. Cause who does that? Right. But well, I guess William Randolph Hearst did that, which is a great connection to Hearst Ranch Winery, which is going to be the winery that we are going to be introduced to today. And there is a connection between owner Jimmy Saunders and the Hearst family, that connection, that partnership with the winery and the name is really a one-of-a-kind story. Now, to win that two-night stay at the Allegretto, simply go rate five stars, subscribe, and review the podcast. In your review, make sure you include your Instagram handle so we can know how to get a hold of you. You can win a two-night stay at the Allegretto Vineyard Resort, a tasting of the Allegretto Vineyard Wines, and even some dinner. Dinner for two at Cello. They're incredible restaurant. So, so much thanks to the Allegretto Vineyard Resort, and it's fun to hook you up here on the podcast. And so thank you so much for listening, for subscribing, rating five stars, and reviewing the podcast. And now for at least this contest, you can get rewarded for doing just that. Today, we're going to talk, like I mentioned, to Jimmy Saunders, the owner of Hearst Ranch Winery, and his winemaker, Soren Christensen. I show up to their estate vineyard. It's on North River Road in Paso. Now, keep in mind, this place also has uh, their flagship tasting room. Really, it was the first one, is in San Simeon, which across the street from Hearst Castle. I guess it makes a lot of sense, of course, with the name. But how that happened, where that tasting room is at, how it's evolved is also a really, really cool story. I've loved Jimmy Saunders for a long time. He is a local boy. He has been in Paso Robles. He grew up here, born and raised here. Done some great business here. Has his name at Jimmy's Watering Hole at the California Mid-State Fair. And he's a one-of-a-kind dude, and I always love sharing time with him. Soren Christensen, his winemaker, also a great dude. Met him first at Alta Kalina. There's a funny story that we'll get into in this podcast about one of the Cork Dorks episodes I did with Soren at Alta Kalina. He used to work at Hope Family Wines. And just a good dude. Isn't it cool when you can meet people? And no matter how good of friends you are with someone, but you see someone who you know is a good dude and just kicking butt, doing what he loves and doing it well. That's how I feel about Soren. I'm just so proud of him. He's such a great guy. So we're going to touch on uh, some of the great history of Paso, how a small town man who has been working in the area since the early 60s, a true legend in the wine industry, having partnered with big names like Hearst to help keep Paso with such great positioning on not just the national map, but the global map. So whether you're a wine enthusiast or just love a good story, it's going to be a conversation for you. Sit back, relax. Let's uh, join a fascinating conversation with Jimmy Saunders and Soren Christensen of Hearst Ranch Winery. 
Hey, I'm James Suckling, and here's where wine takes you. Give me that moonshine, boogie bow, we pass on down till the job is Camped out in the trees, it will simplify good company. I've seen you in a cowboy hat. You look good in a cowboy hat. Well, thank you very much. I can't wear a cowboy hat. What, do, you, do you wear hats at all? You have a nice looking head. Thank you. you. Yeah, I mean, like your circumference <laughs> is fine. He has a cowboy hat, too. Do you have a cowboy hat? I, I rarely, rarely wear that one, but yes. I've Jim and I went on a, a sales trip to Japan, and he... You got him a cowboy hat? I did. We took hat. a case, a box of, of cowboy hats and distributed them to people that bought our wine over there. No way. Yeah, all uh, signed by myself and Steve Hurst and Soren and what? gifted them to people like the president of Takashimaya, the largest grocery chain. Are these like co- cowboy hats like you would want to wear, like nice cowboy hats? Yeah, or they're, they're like, all Stetsons. They're $100 plus what? hats, yeah. You took Stetsons and yeah. get that's <laughs> So your wine's big in Japan. It's not huge now. You know, what killed it was just COVID. I know. You know. Yeah, it's still, I think so. What do you feel like? What do you tell me you like? How many choice you opened it? Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true, Jimmy. I I'm guess not, I'm not closing true. it up, buddy. Cheers, gentlemen. This is so much fun. This is a pleasure. A long time coming. Here we are. Jeez. Hearst Ranch Winery. You are a busy man, Jimmy Saunders. There's no doubt. A little bit. A little bit. You travel a lot, too, huh? Yes. Soren's just laughing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like using the witness protection program when I try and find him. Yeah. Do you have to use my name? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's so cool. So I can't wait to see just really, I mean, because the Hearst Ranch brand is well over a decade since the inception, and it's, it's an exciting time for Hearst Ranch wine. I've always been a fan of how it, I, I learned it came up. We'll talk about that and where it is now, where we are. We're, we're at the estate. I mean, this is where the fruit is. Yeah. This is where the winery is. I mean, where we are on North River Road, and I mean, this is, this is the Mecca. This is it. This is it. A lot of people really kind of considered you in the, in the beginning, they associated you with San Simeon. That's correct. For obvious reasons. That's correct. A lot of people come over there and they want to come to our tasting room. <laughs> yeah. I say, well, it's about 30 miles over the hill. Yeah, right. <laughs> so are we still tasting in that area? Of oh, very much, yeah. Okay, cool. It's a huge tasting room over there. It's probably one of the busiest in the county, I would say. Like, yeah. Other than maybe Toby's, but uh, yeah, it's we're quite busy. Yeah, and it's so funny because here's an area, by all accounts, far, far away from the hustle and bustle of like Vineyard or Adelaida or any of these big roads, 46 West or East. But because of a lot of reasons, I mean, you have just one of the most beautiful seascapes in the whole state. You have, of course, Hearst, very close to us. And we'll talk about that connection and that partnership. But uh, San Simeon was, I mean, you really kind of brought wine tasting to that area in a real legit way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We opened up in uh, 2000. Nine is when we, we inked our deal, and then 2010, we opened the doors in April. So that's been 13 years. Yeah. And uh, that was in the little Sebastian store, the grocery store, when we first started tasting wines there, not really knowing what to expect, and it just exploded. Uh, you know, it became crazy. We, we started off with one little tasting person, and then we, we grew to four, and then six, and then we had to just move and get out of that store and, and yeah. remodel it. So Never a dull moment, obviously, at Sebastian's and the Hearst Ranch Winery. You always had great food there. But this is really the heartbeat of where things are right now. We're on That's North River Road in Paso Robles. Yes. This is an estate that has been really close to you, Jimmy, for a long time. Long time. Long time. I worked on this this ranch when it belonged to the Butterfield family in the, do I have to say, 60s. So <laughs> Really? Yeah. Yeah. Early 60s. I was very young. We were talking about Gary Eberly earlier, and we were joking how, you know, why, why call him the godfather? You were here a lot longer than he was. Well, yeah. 
I don't know what to call it, really. <laughs> right. I don't know what goes beyond Godfather, but yeah. you were working in, in this, this ground in the 60s. Yeah. What was this area like then? What do you remember from then when you juxtapose it to now? Oh, well, the Butterfield family had, uh, it, this was a horse estate. So they had 1,800 acres here, which has long been split and, and sold off. But they had show horses and alfalfa in abundance here for their horses and their, their um, other animals that they had. It was really a beautiful ranch, gorgeous ranch. And um, this was all grain area. At that time, there were four wineries in, in Paso Robles. Really? Yeah. Yeah, there was... Uh, the Bazenti, the yeah. Radas, York, Ascension, may have failed by then. I think Ducey had a little wine that they were making, wow. but but not for sale at the time. But that was it. Was there any, like, who was buying the wine at these places? Was was it like Napa, or was it like people coming through? Like, who was getting those first grapes? Were, well, they, making them, were they making the wine there and making selling wine there? Oh, yeah, yeah. Rada used to make some great wine. To the uh, jugs, out to the... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. $3 jug or a $6 jug, you know, depending <gasps> if it was a half gallon or a gallon. Oh, my God. Yeah, I waited till I was 14 before I started buying, so yeah. I was probably the best customer. <laughs> But Mrs. Rada, who was probably in her late 80s or early 90s, you know, would always ask me, now, Jimmy, are you 21? And I'd say, well, of course I am. She said, well, I know you're not, but you just better take this home and drink it with your parents. I said, yes, ma'am, I will. Wow, that is old school. Old school. That is such a cool story. It was fun stuff. It, it, you used to be able to do a lot of things in past, so you can't do yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you think of when you like look at... The, the strides that Paso has taken. You drive through downtown, you see the restaurants, the Michelin star mentioned places. Like, that's got to be wow. It's crazy. I mean, there, there was one stoplight in Paso Robles, and it wasn't really a stoplight. It was an amber. So yeah. <laughs> if nobody was coming, you just keep going. Right. And really, that was it. It was 13th and Spring Street, and Spring Street used to be 101. And no then they, way, yeah, right. and then they moved 101 to where it is today, that mm. present location. And uh, I thought, oh, there goes Paso Robles, no more, no more commerce. <laughs> How'd you find this property, like, to acquire it? Gosh, uh, when we did buy it, it was it was for sale. It had been uh, taken back by by a, a lending institution that is no longer. And uh, I was approached by a realtor friend of ours who said, "Hey, you might like this whole place." And I said, "Like it? I love it." Because this place obviously had a it stayed with you in your heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it out here. It was great. So we took a pass at it, and 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 it worked. And since then, we've even expanded onto what we originally acquired then. Yeah, yeah. This started off at, a, at almost a 90-acre parcel, and it's grown to 400 and something acres cool. now. So, yeah. Are you still looking? Are you always, like, talking to neighbors, like, hey, if something goes down, I'm right here. Yeah, well, my wife says she'll kill me if I do it. But <laughs> I, yeah, I always keep my, my ears open, of course, yeah. That's cool. You're a smart, you're a savvy dude. One of the first times I met you, and if people go to the California Mid-State Fair, <laughs> they still see the watering hole yep. with your namesake. Yep, that's right. And I know that it's not, you don't operate it anymore, but um, talk about how Jimmy's Watering Hole started and, and how that's become a, that's a thing. It's a thing, yeah. Uh, I acquired it from uh, Fred Sweeney, who's, who's no longer with us, unfortunately. You remember Fred, I'm sure. Fred was a, was an icon down there. He he made the best tri-tip sandwiches in the world, and, and people would come from all over to... Uh, to buy them, but um, and the idea was, look, we we buy this, we can we can make money during the fair, right? I mean, what's well, how that happened was Fred Fred wanted to retire, and so I had helped him just 
pro bono because he was a friend of mine and had been for many, many years. And every year he would ask me, hey, would you give me a hand at the fair? So we would help him backstage, you know, do the cooking for the stars. And your and day job or what you were doing? I was still contracting. We right. were building all over and I really right. didn't have the time to do it. But I love Fred and, and his family. So we, we started uh, helping him out every year. And we did that for a long time. And then when he announced that he wanted to get out of the business, we put together a deal and, and I acquired it changed the name because Sweeney's wasn't really really well known the tri-tip sandwiches were you know but the, but the name wasn't known so we thought we'd go with Jimmy's and it, it was n- not really named after me it was all the famous Jimmy's in the world you know Jimmy Durante Jimmy Keck oh come on Jimmy, okay <laughs> and me yeah <laughs> but uh it, but that's that's where it started and that's then, cool yeah so what a story thing. yeah because and that's still you go to the fair now I mean it's it's Jimmy's like, yeah we're still Jimmy's. Jimmy's yeah we sold it to to one of our uh, then employees Bonnie Barton yeah who's now Bonnie Loftus, and uh, she's run with it. She's done a wonderful job. It's a great place still to go back. It's so funny. It's literally Bonnie and Claude. Yeah, Bonnie and Claude. Yeah, <laughs> which is funny, you know. <laughs> yes. But I love them. They're a great couple. Yeah, they do a great job. Too. Yeah, it's so much fun. When did Soren, I first met you, Soren, at Alta Kalina. Yep. When you were the winemaker there. And not only, I mean, you've, it's always been fun to chat with you when I'll see it things. You started your own winery in 2011. You're working Alta Kalina. At what point do you leave Alta Kalina and come over here to Hearst Ranch Winery? 2014. So I was really lucky. I met Jim and Debbie. Uh, in 2000 when I was with Hope Family Wines working for Austin. Uh, at that time, That's they right. were buying the entirety of the fruit off of this ranch. So I met them and, and somehow managed to not uh, lose their favor over the, the 14 <laughs> years until I came knocking on their door again. But it just, the, the size of the winery really appealed to me. Um, Why is that? I went from a really, really big winery. And, and I want to state this in case Austin or Bob Tillman's listening. But Which they are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, Hope Family Wines, by the time we had our first son, it was it was a lot working a lot and uh, harvest was was exceptionally long and sure. then so I went to Alta Kalina and just the sweetest people ever we're actually quasi neighbors now and I still see the Tillmans and love them um, but I mean it was a perhaps a, a bit of a slight overcorrection going from a half a million case facility to three thousand cases and so just the the size of the the facility and the production here really appealed to me it's it's I'm never bored certainly yeah. not, not not being around Jim it's almost like the three bears <laughs> you know like it, it you, totally is my Goldilocks story the, the pair the porridge was was a little bit hot over here yep. then the porridge went to a little bit on the other end of the spectrum and now the porridge is just it's right just right yeah so, so cool. i mean we're we're busy we're making a lot of wine we're getting bigger every year but it's just uh it's a great great spot for me to land yeah and this property beautiful huh? it's pretty slick yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah we just took a uh john deere up and saw the property when uh, what were some of the things that in addition to the winery but some of the topography some of the things that we were around jimmy take us to what we just kind of hit up on the on the john deere well uh, we took you through all of our our but now nine blocks of of uh, varietals of, of uh, grapes that we grow uh in, in the back portion of our, our property is our uh, pasture land where we keep our registered longhorns just for fun because they're cool. And uh, the rest of the land is, is open space. What's the uh, difference between like a registered longhorn and just some cow that's got big longhorns? Well, you can track their pedigree. Oh, wow. Way back, you know, way back. And yeah. uh, that's what makes them valuable. So you can take a, a registered longhorn that... Um, has a really good lineage that has extremely gorgeous looking horns on it. Yeah. I mean, if you're 
that kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I, I mean, the I, people I, on the podcast can't see the hand signal. Yeah. yeah sorry. Okay. Like, yeah. But I, when you when you drive south on the 101 to your right in the Tascadero, I always see these big animals with the big long horns. I just consider them because I see Santos's hat and I know the college and I and I know long ass horns. I go, oh, those are Longhorns. But Technically, not all those are Longhorns. Not all Longhorns. Yeah, they're Watusis. They're owned by Denise Dudley. I hope that's okay to mention her oh, name. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because sure. we, we really like her. She's a supporter of the castle as well, and uh, just a wonderful lady, but she's got... Watusis. So, yeah, Watusis and, and a couple other breeds that I, I, I'm not aware of their so names interesting. at the moment. But. So, but, but Longhorns are very something specific then? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Texas you, gotta let, you, you let me get the drone out and maybe take it up under your pasture sometime? Oh, yeah. It's beautiful out here. Yeah, it's pretty. This time of year, so you got to do it quick. It's uh, it's green. It's gorgeous. It's completely green. Yeah. It's incredible. So I've always been a huge fan of your hustle, your status here. I mean, you've been in this business and you've been doing all kinds of stuff in this area for a long time. You're a savvy dude. And when I heard how you started Hearst Ranch Winery, I think it's an admirable story because one, I have always really had a, just this like child like love for Hearst Castle. I love, I feel different when I'm up there. I host events for them. I volunteer for them. I love the foundation of Hearst Castle. I propose to uh, Audrey up there. Like, I just love any time I can dip, you know, this fat ass in the pool. I just <laughs> love Hearst Castle. And one of the first conversations you and I had when you first started the winery was like, how do we do a show here? How do we do this? How do we do that? And you knew. And we, we did that one thing with Savor the Central Coast up yep. there outside A House. Oh, my God. But the way you started this brand was something so genius i thought because it it took hustle it took some real just like some real will you actually met steve hurst with a winning bid in an auction yes that would allow you to hang with him swim with him chill with him you won this auction with the idea i'm gonna meet him i'm gonna pitch him on this idea like you were gonna shark tank him <laughs> you know I, I wish i could say that that's that's really the way it went down it wasn't it, it's close it's close we, okay we we bought this this auction item which was uh spend a day on the hearst ranch with steve hearst take a personal tour of their their eighty four thousand acres uh, breakfast lunch and dinner swim in the neptune pool private tour of the castle Dope. and so forth and so i thought well that sounds like a lot of fun and it was a fundraiser for a, a new foundation that Steve had started, the Hearst Cancer Resource Center, which oh, yeah. was really good. And Incredible. I got conned into going to that event by an oncologist who was a tenant of mine in Paso Robles in one of my buildings that, and my wife that I own. And uh, we thought, well, sure, that sounds like a fun event. So we went to that event, and, and that's when this auction item came up. And uh, this was the second year of, of fundraising for the for the Hearst Cancer Resource Center. And Steve got up and announced this this prize auction you know that he item that he was going to uh, offer and he reminded the crowd that the year before that auction item had sold for fifty two thousand dollars damn yeah and my wife said don't even go there don't even think about it i went don't worry honey i'm not that stupid (laughs) so anyway uh the auction started off and and it stopped at five grand and so I raised my hand and got an instant bruise on my ribs from my wife. She whack. She goes, don't. I, honey, I got to bit it up. I mean, this yeah. is really rude. This thing's got to come up. So I took it up to $17,000, and it stopped again, and I owned it. And uh, somebody behind me outbid me. And I looked at my wife, and I winked, and I went, see? Smart guy, right? Right. 
and it stopped with him. So Steve Hurst got up and said, you know, this is pathetic. He said, you're at 18,000, you're at Saunders, you're at 17,000, and this other guy was at 16,000. Tell you what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you all a tour for $17,000. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I really, at that point, I didn't get a bruised rib. I got three broken ribs. Right, yeah. His elbow. Whack. The, I won an auction, a trip to Mexico that same way. Yeah, trying like, to be a good guy. You're trying to be a good guy, you're trying yeah. to like, you know, Put some honey in the pot, yeah. you know, prime the pump, and then ends up, oh, by the way, I have three of these, Me- not even two. Yeah. I got three of these Mexican vacations. Guess what? Boom, boom, boom. I'm like, ooh. Yeah, you own them. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So so it led to the, the day of the event, and uh, we took our <laughs> gracious uh, person that invited us to the, the fundraiser, the oncologist and his wife, Tom and, and uh, Karen Spillane. Oh, my God. You t- Tom Spillane? Yes. I love him. Yeah, he's a great he's, guy. Oh, he's great fantastic. Guy. I love Tom and Karen. Yeah, I'm going to kill him someday for taking me to that oh, thing. Oh, this no. is a great story. I love that it's him. <laughs> yeah, so I took him and another friend and his wife who had been um, uh, uh, stricken with cancer and my brother-in-law and uh, sister-in-law. Sister-in-law also had had cancer, so we thought, you know, we'll get some people that have been involved with it so they yeah. can really see the good that comes out of a, a fundraiser like this event cool so we met um, at my house uh, all of us the night before and partied a little too hard and the next morning we had to meet steve at the gates of of, uh, of, of the ranch at 7 30 a.m and i felt like hell i i i was so green all i wanted to do was just stop on the road on yeah. the way over there and throw up uh-huh. and uh couldn't do it though you know we were committed to go he's a no-nonsense cowboy like you don't make oh yeah no no you show up so so we showed up my god and i was at the gates at 7 30 and he rolled up and he goes hey how you doing i said well be honest with you i've got a hangover he goes so do i let's go have a bloody mary (laughs) i like him already 30 in the morning i went yeah let's go (laughs) so we took off and uh, we spent the day together and just had a wonderful time and uh, we had thought what could we do for this guy to thank him for spending a day with us and spending all of this time and money because you know it's a freebie for for him and it costs him a lot of money to to do he makes no no benefit from it other than to show some schmuck like me his property and and my buddies so we had made a couple of uh, nine liter uh, magnums for him and a couple of cases of uh, 750s all etched and hand painted with their their brand on it the H. so how can you tell me we're not trying to shark tank them a little no, bit no no it sounds like the, that no it's not liter. the way it went down who brings two nine so, liters of anything let me tell you let me tell you so anyway <laughs> it, it, at the end of the day we couldn't walk again you know right yeah, thank yeah. you gosh i had a driver and uh, so i gave him these two bottles and he was really taken back by it he said you know nobody's ever given me anything like this for uh, thank you for spending a day with me. He said, it was my pleasure. I said, well, it was our pleasure. Here, take it. And on the back of the bottle we had engraved, I still have one of the bottles. I made an extra one. And it says, you know, with with uh, gratitude from Jim and Debbie Saunders and, and the names of the of people that went with us that day. No thank way. you so much. And uh, he called me a couple of weeks later and said, this was really nice. And he said, this is really good wine. He said, what's, what's your brand? I said, well, we don't have a brand. And he goes, well, why not? I said, well, because we, we make bulk wine, which we did at the time, and uh, under the protocol of, of different winemakers and sold them some bulk wine. And he, he said, well, why don't you have your own brand? I said, well, it's a pain in the ass. I said, you know, you've, you've got to have a name. You've got to have a story. And it, it takes a lot of work. And he goes, well, why don't we call it Hearst? Would you be interested in calling it Hearst? And I said, 
Sounds like a good idea. So that's how it started. That's so cool. Now, his version is I chased him down the road like a little girl and begged him to come on board. You know? <laughs> I think it's a great story. I just think it's a great partnership because, I mean, obviously, Hearst is so incredible to this area. Yeah. And the story is so genuine. But what you've been able to do, I mean, your, I mean, your story and your status here is so cemented. And then, you obviously, I mean, Soren's a fantastic winemaker. He's the best. We have a, we have a real story that we are building off of history, building off homage to history, but creating our own new chapters. Yes, yes. So it was great. It, it, it turned out to be a really good friendship. So we're, we've grown really close to Steve. And, you know, he's close to, to, to Soren as well, loves his wines. And it's it's become a great relationship. Makes you wonder, like, I mean, if what William Randolph Hearst would say. I mean, because if you, if you might have gone into the cellar. I mean, he's got some old first growths in there. <laughs> he's got some Chateau Margaux. He's got some fun stuff. But if he only knew that later at the bottom of his hill, you know, right where he would be taking all these antiquities and things from mm-hmm. his peer, that there would be a, a people tasting wine in his name from, uh, you know, you guys and his family. What a special, like, full circle. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know what he would think. He, you know, I, would, I would let well, uh, I mean, he didn't like speak drinking. to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I'm like, saying, like, exactly. like, yeah, he, he would did always, not. people would have to like sneak up the booth there. Yeah. But I mean, you know, yeah. he, still, he had a nice wine collection. He knew what was up. Yeah, but I think he'd be proud that we've taken this, this brand all, really all over the world. Yeah. And, and uh, although they make still or, or publish a lot of magazines with their name on it, people don't look on the side of the, of the binder to see Hearst Corporation. They look at this bottle and say, oh, Hearst. Ranch yeah. winery. Right. I'll be darned. Yeah. So it's become more of a household name through this wine than, than anything, I yeah. think. When has there been any kind of like collab when, I mean, didn't Amanda get married up there and things like that? Does she ever want some of this wine up at the wedding or yes. things like that? That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's really, really an honor to be able to, to serve that for them. And, yeah. You know, if it was bad wine, they wouldn't. But Soren does a hell of a job. So. Yeah. This is cool, Soren. This is a really cool story. I mean, when did you know, like, wine was taking you to an area where, like, I really want to be in charge of making this? I think we were both surprised, uh, speaking about my beautiful wife, Sierra, and I, that how much we really fell in love with Paso Robles once I started working up here. By the time I really got my, my, my grip in the industry and learned a fair amount, we just fell in love with the area and... and Maybe it was more the pull of Paso Robles than the wine industry initially that kept us here, but it certainly was, uh, that was the gravitational pull. It's, it's often the people, it's like, I don't know if, if you had friends or who you were meeting, but what were some of those things that really just like, oh man, I, I just, we got to figure out a way to stay here. Oh, I mean, I, I, I don't want to say I'm a city kid per se. I grew up in the suburbs of San Francisco, but I'd never been out on a quad and riding around vineyards and whatnot. So, sure. I mean, just even the, the simple thing of going out and sampling vineyards was just like, oh, this is crazy. I got to tell my college buddies about this. And just, you know, I was like wild Bill Hitchcock to them, just <laughs> riding around. And, oh, I saw a rattlesnake and I shot at it. I mean, I missed, but I shot at yeah, it. Kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> um, no, it was just such a departure from what I'd grown up doing. Um, I, I just fell in love with it. And it's so funny now. I've got two boys that are 11 and 14. And they know nothing different. They're they're a little so much. They're so much tougher than I was at the same age, and, and they're definitely a little bit more ranch boys because they come around here and just run around like crazy. When you're learning about all this, and obviously if you're making wine and you're in the circles where you're tasting wine, you're you're certainly learning about wine. But 
did you just by default go, oh, my palate's pretty good. Like I can, I can zero in on this and that and the other. Or is this a learned thing? I, I will look at people who will have these immaculate palates and I swear it's like an ordained gift. I'm like, how did you learn? But I talked to like, you know, Master Sommelier or like, you know, like Dylan Proctor or some of these other guys. They're like, no, you can learn this. I'm like, there's no way what you know that like, I, it's just incredible to me. Is some of this stuff you're just inherently born with a talent in doing or what? I think we all have our own aesthetic, certainly. I have to give a lot of credit. And actually, I spoke to him on the phone the other day, Skylar Stuck. Oh, sure. Whose whose birthday is coming up in a couple days. I'm pretty sure he's on a plane to France right now. But Skylar, when I was first at Hope Family Wines, he he made it a goal, not just for myself, but for a few other employees there to really educate our palates and show us wines outside of Paso Robles, different profiles, different levels of ripeness. And that really just informed that there was more to to beyond Paso Robles as far as the flavor profiles go. And... um, but as far as like, currently, I feel so very fortunate, and I tell people this all the time, that Jim and I have a very similar aesthetic. It's, I love putting wines in front of Jim because it's fun to try and get like, oh, try this. And I know he's going to kick out of it. Whereas uh, it's, it's you know, exceedingly rare that sometimes Jim and I differ on opinions on wine. So it fosters this amazing working relationship where you know, I'm, there's no reason I should ask the owner to compromise on what he wants to do. Um, but certainly I don't feel like I'm, I'm doing the same on my part. Like we both like the same thing. So it's super fun to make the wines and, and we both like them. So it just, it, I think it's just a gift that we both have a similar palate. That's a great dance, Jimmy. And I'll tell you, because like coming from Soren's perspective, there is a certain like freedom and wingspan you feel when you know that you and your owner are in this symbiotic kind of, you know, whether it's the palate, the dance and the mission and the vibe. But I imagine for you and your, you know, your perspective through your lens, it's going to be great to have a winemaker who is just communicative, but also easily making something that you're going to likely like. Well, and, and a person that you really like and, yeah. and respect. And uh, you can't say that about all winemakers. You know, love them to death, but, you know, let's face it, a lot of them You've are had like, your share of dealing uh, with some... You know, a lot of them are like <laughs> phylloxera, you know. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, uh, you know, Soren, Soren's become a great friend. You know, I call him my son, my little kid, you know, mm-hmm. although he's two feet taller than me. is just a wonderful person, and it, it, it's great when there's no doubt. There's no question. You know, I, I know that he's doing things from his heart daily, and uh, that, that's a rare quality. What is the take on, on the house here as far as the style of wine that we want Hearst Ranch Winery to be known for, both in Paso as it represents Paso, but then abroad? I mean, you guys are a calling card for Paso, especially with a name like that on there. I hope it's not cliched to say so, but less is more. I mean, we're not uh, a big ultra-maturity house. You know, it's, it's not terribly difficult to get stuff very ripe in Paso Robles, but we try to, you know, when the Mother Nature allows us to pick within reasonable <laughs> amounts so our alcohols are at a palatable level, not singeing off your nose hair. Um, all of our red wines certainly go to, to oak, but we don't use a high percentage of new oak. So I think it really just promotes the purity of the fruit, the aromatic and the flavor profile. And yeah, it's, it's, it's just simplicity, I feel. And I, I know that sounds like a non-answer, but it's really that simple. I mean, and you could taste it. Like this Tempranillo, uh, we call it Chileno. Yep. Uh, this Tempranillo is beautiful. And it's, you know, it's got that spikes that you want out of a Tempranillo. But it's also, I like wines. And again, I've always been really like caution because you'll... You'll say something as an adjective to a winemaker and they may interpret it. But I love wines that are a little bit more, you know, 
not light on its feet, but a little bit more feminine, elegant. Uh, and this wine has all the fruit you want and all the spice that I love in a Tempranillo, but it's not trying to swing anything across your head. You know what I mean? 100%, yeah. No, I mean, it, people ask me what the favorite wine to make, and it's the rosé. I mean, it's is that right? It's as fruity as can be, buddy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm a sucker for fruit character. And rosé is not always one of these wines that's easy to make. Is that true? I feel like some people, like, there's, you, you got to, like, the dialing it in, there's, there's something to it. That's an astute observation, certainly. But the big challenge for us is that we bottled this on December 15th. So that means I went, you know, had something that was sitting on the vine about three and a half months earlier and put it in a bottle. So I know. for us, it's just become just so popular that we need to keep it in production, basically. So the, the rush, not rush, but just the challenge to get it out there, to get it market ready and delicious, well, that's look, it's fun. When, it's engaging. When bottling comes in February and you know you're going to be releasing in March, I mean, a lot of people are putting out their rosés in, in March and it's a big deal. You want to have it ready. And this one's, I mean, this one's become certainly more and more popular. Beautiful, like sexy platinum color. What is Julia? What is what is Julia about? Julia Morgan was the... Uh, oh, fir- yeah, there you go. Julia Morgan. That, that, well, go say who she is now i mean so she was correct me if i'm wrong jim but she was the first licensed let's see if he gets it right first licensed female architect in the state of california uc berkeley educated designed hearst castle and a number of other buildings and estates and whatnot for uh, for william randolph hearst and so uh, I don't this know. That's just like Julie a gender Morgan. cliche, but yes, no, she was in her honor. She was incredible. In fact, I was amazed to learn. Here's just some like geeky Hearst, you know, trivia that she did not stay up on the uh, the Enchanted Hill. She would come up and down. Yes. all the time, which is yes. amazing to me. Yes, but I mean, she when you go to Hearst Castle, what you were looking at is you know the uh, incredible talent of Julia Morgan through the crazy eyes of William Randolph Hearst. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because he was like, oh don't like that porch let's build on top of it i mean he was a really interesting unique man and thank god because the place is incredible but julia morgan responsible for all that architecture absolutely no she was she was a wonderful lady i wish you could go back in time and meet her i would love to have met her yeah Uh, because i'm still a builder and i I enjoy good architecture great architecture and, and she was certainly probably one of the greatest architects ever it's hard to imagine how she did what she did in those days. I mean, she was the first, one of the first persons that ever designed a, uh, a concrete, re- a steel reinforced concrete structure, wow. which is what the castle is. Yeah. Thank God, because, you know, with the San Simeon earthquake we had in 2003, would have leveled it had it not been built the way it was. Man, you're right. Her architecture, let that, yeah. let that stand. Yeah. Sidebar to that, uh, my most favorite structure on that castle yes. is her office. Where was that? Everybody asks. Yeah. It's made out of uh, remnants of, of pallets, and it's in the courtyard in the back. And it's still standing there. She still has her drafting, but they still have her drafting board there and plans. And, and it, on, on the, uh, the framing on the inside of the building, it, on several boards, it says, you know, WR. And then you go to another one that says Hearst. You know, another one says San Simeon. I don't yeah. know, 1860, not 1865, 1903, right, yeah. whatever it was. And uh, it, it still stands. But it's in the courtyard there. You've got to see it. So is this beyond, like, in the dirt lot, beyond, like, the indoor pool? No, 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 no. We're it's, talking in the up, like, upper? It's above the, above the pool, above okay. the Roman pool, in the back courtyard area that okay. was called the morning yeah garden area beautiful yeah it's it's really neat it, i'm so glad they left it a house is my favorite a house is pretty cool A-house. that was somebody else's favorite here recently <laughs> 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 <Hey>. yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I mean, just because, like, just that guest house outside, that one looks over the mountains, but then looks over all those, the yeah. ocean. It's, it's so pretty. Yeah. It's so great. Hearst Ranch Winery, when we're, you know, we hit our 10-year anniversary a few years back. Yeah. We're in a, a beautiful stride now, Jimmy. Where do we see this brand going when it comes to, like, yours and Soren's conversations of, like, what do we see this project evolving into still? Well, I, I think... Soren and I are on the same page with this. We, we don't want to make this a mega winery. We don't want to do what other wineries have done in the area, you know, come in, blow up, and, and flip it and get out. You know, we're here, we're here for the long run. You know, this is a family-run business. You know, Soren is certainly family, I consider, and um, we, we want to stay in the run for a very long time. We don't want to blow it up. We want to keep it below a, a certain level, which is, I'll just tell you, it's, it's going to be less than 50,000 cases. You know, we're going to keep it small. And we limit the number of our wine club members. I won't tell you the amount, but we, we keep it low purposely so we can service them with the wines that, that we make because yeah. we sell out of this lovely rosé every year. If we don't make a certain amount, then it's gone. So we make sure that we have enough for our wine club first, and then the rest goes on the market at our at our. Uh, tasting rooms. For someone like you who's been around for so long and we see, you know, and I, I feel like I heard you in what you just said and, you know, we're here for the long haul. We're not we're not making some situation sexy to come in and, yeah. you know, a bigger place to, bigger company to come swallow us up and right. acquire us. Like, we're here. I mean, and you have been here since like the 60s. I mean, this is, this is life. This is our life. This is it. Well, I was born here, Adam. I, I don't know if you remember that, but I, I was born here. So I'm, I'm one of the very few people that are in the wine industry today that were born here. Wow. And, and stay here. You know, Janelle, Ducey. You know, Janelle, born for sure. Here. Uh, I can name a few others, but uh, it's just really cool to be part of that club. And it's it's very special. It's, it's special to see it have taken off the way that it has. Uh, you asked earlier, you know, what was it like? How's the transition come? What do I think of it? Well, when I was a, a very young boy growing up in the area here, jobs were, were scarce. I mean, you, you pumped gas and washed windows and, and delivered newspapers. And uh, in fact, I had a newspaper route that, that I collected my newspapers from in what is now a Bill Brasserie, you know, Bill. No way, really? <laughs> yeah, that's where the, the, the local Bill Brasserie, like downtown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh so my. I'd ride my bicycle in there with my, my uh, side bags every day, pick up my newspapers and go distribute You were a them. paper boy? I was a paper boy, I was pal. a paper boy, too. Cheers to being a paper boy. Hey, buddy. Doesn't Old get any school. better, yeah. Did you have any, like, big streets, big, big steep ones? No, mine were all flat with people oh, that didn't good. pay. Oh, man. Collecting was the worst. <laughs> I hated it. I had two things that were really hard delivering the News Chronicle. One, Penrod Drive. I swear to God, this thing was like at 49 degrees, you know? That's funny. You're driving it up like sideways, you know? But then collecting, and yep. it's like, you know, you're trying to collect literally at this time 425 a month from someone. Yeah. And still they having problems. Pay. Yeah, well, mine was a lot less than that. They wouldn't pay. <laughs> So it cost me money to be a paper boy. I got out of that real quick. What's your old school, Soren? What is your old school Americana job if you were not a paper boy that you can tell, that you can impress Jimmy and I now that you've had? Actually, it, uh, I know how to change my own oil. I know how to work on cars. That's good. See, that's yeah. huge. That's huge. My dad was a total motorhead, so I have, a, I have an old car that I can wrench on a little bit. That's dope. Anything with a computer, I'm screwed. But Yeah, and all, the, all of them now have computers. I worked at Sears, too, Jimmy. You'll be proud of that. Wow. So I have two jobs that really solidify me as an American person. Wow. Very cool. Sears. It was the portrait studio, so don't get too impressed. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, uh, but also another paperboy job. We have Hearst Ranch Winery. This Tempranillo is absolutely beautiful. What is the next wine, Soren? What would you like to go into next, my friend? We started off down at the uh, 
The Tempranillo is in the middle part of our vineyard, very heavy clay soils due to the riverbank it sits on. The Malbec I'm pouring right now is in the sandy section. So this is the Eeyore block. Uh, Talk about some of the different soils that we got here on the property, on the estate. Extremely sandy down uh, towards the river bank. And then as we, we go up Because you literally drive by it on your way over here. Yeah, 100%. So, so you, some of it is probably right underneath us. Absolutely, yeah. So the, this, this block right out here is very sandy. So the no water holding capacity. And, and this is the Eeyore block. It's depressed all the time. It looks sad. <laughs> like Eeyore from, uh, from Winnie the Pooh. We'll water it for about 20 minutes. It perks up. But yeah. then, uh, then it looks a little sad again. But we always get this amazing, vibrant flavor and aromatics out of it because of that concentration. So real fun wine. And uh, just kind of trying to calm down the enthusiasm of Malbec is really fun to, to make it into a bottle-worthy blend. When someone hears the words sandy soil, what can they envision? I envision one, rain, it goes through it quick. It drains well, right? Is this, is this good? Is this bad? What do we get from, from sandy soils? And then, you know, I just think of like the 26 atmospheric rivers we had here. I imagine you probably fare well with sandy soil or is this kind of... Absolutely. It's a, a little bit of good and a little bit of bad. The good is that, yes, it's well draining. Um, but the bad is that during the really, really hot months, we have to, to pay a little bit more attention to keep it happy just because, uh, you know, there's no clay in there to really swell up and keep the roots happy. So we're just, it, it's, it's a little bit more high maintenance than our other blocks um, that have a little bit more absorbent soil, if you will. But the concentration we get out of the wines that are grown in it are fantastic. That's the good part. This year has been something really interesting. Yeah. When Have you in all your years here ever seen a year like this year as far as water and three times before okay three times before but this one was different this one was what made this odd is that it came so hard so fast and the river was dirty as were all the little tributaries that, that came in so they were overgrown with all this brush and what happens to that brush you know it gets either blocked and and um, washed downstream blocks more dams up creates more damage because of the water creates new um, avenues to, to drain itself uh, from, its, from its tributaries, and it changes the course of the river. We've had a huge change in the course of the river right here on our property. It's so, is that right? Oh, yeah. It's so interesting. We were talking to Randy Heinzen about this, this water coming through, and it's mm-hmm. like this water literally acts like it's got nails, and it scours the ground. And if you don't do anything to redirect, maybe if it's like those hay noodles or yeah. something, yeah, yeah. if you don't mitigating that, the water will scour that ground, and like you said, it'll it'll build more little paths in the. I mean, and it can it can get wild. Yeah, it's nature's beaver. You know, they just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just dam up over here and change <laughs> course. And, and new boom. t-shirts coming up. Nature's a beaver. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. That's, that's the new blend. Soren, what can we do? What would what would, what would a nature's beaver blend be? <laughs> All more Vedra. <laughs> Native yeast, no sulfur, <laughs> nature's a beaver. <laughs> I am not going there. Oh, my God. So Ooh. good. I'm so glad we have him, Jimmy. Yeah, oh, me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he, he's, he's, he's a walking uh, comedian, I'll tell you. He's... How often will you guys need to, like, meet up, catch up? Obviously, with, you know, probably during your blendings, during your bottlings and stuff, you're probably meeting up a lot. But when, Soren, are you having your, your, your most engagement with Jimmy when you're not recording a podcast? I, I Eight I or nine a... every morning? Yeah. <laughs> no, I... I have a yellow, uh, like one of those lined notepads, like a legal notepad on my desk, and I'll write down like a, my Jimmy page, stuff that I want to talk to Jim about, because I know he's a busy guy, so I don't want to bug him with every little thing. <laughs> so I'll wait till it gets like four or five deep, and then I'm like, it's Jimmy time. Yeah. And I'll, I'll try and reach out. But I mean, he's super available, and, and the fact that he's so engaged as an owner, and, and like, you know, I mentioned before, we love trying the wines together. It's, it's usually pretty easy to get his company, or his audience, pardon me. But, uh, but yeah. I, I wait till there's something really important to talk about. What is your role, Jimmy, as far as uh, obviously the patriarch of this brand, but 
you're, you're traveling a lot. Are, are we selling? Are we meeting people? Are we are we working markets? I mean, what is yep. your role? Because yep. you yep. are you are good at that. And what? Well, I don't know about that, but but I, <laughs> I getting a little older. You know, it's a little harder to get around and and uh, and be as active as I used to be. You know, traveling is not what it used to be. It's a pain be. in the butt. Yeah. It's a pain in the butt. And so I, I don't enjoy it as much as I used to. But once I get to that point, your first then, class, you probably travel first class. I'm sure you do. Is there any other way? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that's pretty real. Yeah, well, you know, I take advantage of all my senior discounts right so uh no it's it's that's a big part of what i do but also the vineyards a, a very big part of what i do we we replanted pretty much everything except the malbec contemporaneo over the last six years or so and uh because of red blotch you know it, it found us like it's found a lot of people in california and oregon and washington and so we replanted everything and we we did something really really unique uh we we bored holes and and created a really good environment for our new plants which is not what's done by anybody but being in construction i thought let's try this and see how wacky this is well you know it's 726 plants per acre times you know 90 acres it's a lot of holes <laughs> so, so you, when you talk about board holes like you you know we took an auger and and used it on the back of a mini excavator dug holes uh four to five feet deep and put in uh soil amended um uh, soil amendments uh, yeah. to to like mulch and planted our, our grapes and, wow. and they exploded so we gave them a path to to send their root structure which after we ripped you know 30 years ago and planted plants here you know i, I didn't know that much about plants i thought i oh, you know, plant them in the ground they're a weed they're going to grow well they, right. they, they just don't you know <laughs> especially when they do hit a clay uh, pan you know they just stop and they go out and that's not good for for uh, hot seasons at all so we created a, a nice environment for the plants that we we replanted here and i think it's it's done well i mean our our, our fruit is now really really good what are you most excited about on the, the vineyard or is there a certain varietal that you're just like man it's it's in the right spot i mean i'm sure everything is where you want it but there is just something singing it's that that row that block that aspect it's just it's just right exactly where i want it to be you know i, I could say that about a, a lot of the varietals that yeah. we have here you know and just to blow everybody up but i will tell you um the cabernet that we've planted in the past was was great Cabernet. I shouldn't say it was great Cabernet. It was good Cabernet. Okay, Soren, would you give me that? All right, it was all right. So anyway, the new, the new cab that we planted and planted with with a, a, a unique rootstock and a, and a unique clone and babied it the way we did when we planted it, just came out of the box screaming. Nice. And, you know, Soren was so excited to to pour it for me for the very first time, and. Uh, I just, I, I just couldn't believe it. I said, Where, "Where'd you get this?" And he goes, "This is yours. You grew it." I'm like, what? <laughs> is it hard to always be honest? I mean, not, not like you're not, and not like you can't be. But I mean, like when you 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 want to be able to deliver the best news possible in times, but you know that you are where you are because he trusts your gut he trusts your acumen and sometimes you probably have to be the bearer of news that might not be the most fun to deliver for a myriad of reasons and a myriad of subjects what are those moments like for you Absolutely. Sorry, I'm trying to pick my words because I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that really is part of our great working relationship is that I never try to hide anything from Jim. So certainly, you know, there, there are occasions where <laughs> this is going to cost a lot more than I <laughs> forecast. I apologize. But um, but yeah, I, I think the trust that we've built up, I've been here nine years now, and, uh, and Jim knows that I have the best interest of the family at heart, and, and I don't like to spend his money uh, if I don't have to. So they're, they're, the trust really helps. 
Yeah. Him, him not questioning when something goes a little bit sideways. I think he, he already understands that that was not my intent, that I was, was hoping for the best, but it just didn't work out on whatever occasion that might have been. And from an owner's perspective, Jimmy, when an owner gets to see that someone who they have a whole lot of stake in looks at the company's pocketbook like it was their own and, you know, guards those fiduciary decisions mm-hmm. with, you know, a lot of care, it's got to feel good. It's, it's incredible. It's the, it's the best feeling in the world. Um, it, it's beyond employee-employer relationship. It, it, to the heart of it is, is, is friendship mm-hmm. and, and trust, and it doesn't get any better than that. When you're working the market, you're out in different places talking about Paso internationally, nationally. What are some of the big things that people are saying? What is that story that's being understood about Paso from outside of here? What are you hearing? Well, being from Paso Robles, and, and we used to call it Paso No Place, and <laughs> still do from time to time. It's great that we're recognized, and you know everybody in the wine industry has done that. You know everybody with any any uh, skin in the game from any other winery and, and any other job they have in the winery is responsible for, for making that happen. That makes me really proud, you know, because we were just not even a speck on the map when I was a kid. I mean, it was like an afterthought. Oh, let's go get some gas in this little Hokeville and keep going, <laughs> get to a real city. Now people seek us out. Growing up here, you could go to any restaurant, well, there was two, and, <laughs> and walk in and know everybody. I can walk into any restaurant today and not know anybody. And They'll know you, though. No, no, I just saw no, when no. you came down to these guests, you drove your Kubota down here, and everyone was like, I mean, it was just like, you know, like a celebrity just... I paid him off. I said, yeah, act big. You know. <laughs> Adam, guess you Act like you really know me. But no, the place has changed a lot. It's really it's incredible. It's changed a lot. It's changed a lot. One of, one of my fun stories is I was in New York with, with Steve uh, Hurst, and he had a, a board meeting, and... I tag along with him with my wife and his wife, and, and we hit our distributor back there and go have some fun. And uh, one night we had a little bit of fun till about 2 in the morning. And uh, I was checking my email when I got back to my room, and I, I checked this one email, and it was in French, and it was the results of this contest that we had entered um, called the Chardonnay du Monde. And it was on the 40th anniversary of the um, famous... Judgment in Paris. Yeah, Judgment in Paris. Wow. And we had entered that contest with our Chardonnay, with our proprietor's Chardonnay. You have a great Chardonnay here, by the way. Thank you very much. Well, hey, yeah. right here he is. Sorry, Chardonnay's bomb here. So, uh, yeah, so we entered into that contest. And there, that year, there were uh, 792 entries of Chardonnay only from 380 countries. And we got a gold medal. And I thought somebody was spoofing me. I thought this is not happening. This there's someone's no way. punking you. Yeah, and I told Soren about it, and he goes, "So what? You know, it's just some French competition. It's no big deal." Yeah. <laughs> but it's huge. You know, you go to Europe, and everybody goes, "Oh, Chardonnay de Mont. Look at what we got. We got a bronze. You know, yeah, we got yeah, an honorable yeah. mention." I go, "Well, we got a gold, pal." <laughs> I mean, you've been at really great brands. Have, have but do you try not to focus on things like scores and <laughs> and accolades like this? Or I mean, I, I mean, I know you certainly don't chase them, but and, and you're real humble dude but these, these obviously have to mean something to you yes or what it feels really good to get them yeah uh, <laughs> but yeah uh, when i'm approaching it it's more just uh, trying to find a sense of balance really that's what it is it's almost like meditative calming my mind and i know this sounds stupid i apologize for those listening but yeah just get like a graduated cylinder and do these blends and try to find like a moment of peace with the wine where i where, where not one single attribute sticking out too much there's just harmony and that's where i know we've hit our there blend. you go i love the way you put that what are we listening to in the cellar 
<laughs> so, Corkdorks. So much. Ran- <laughs> yeah. There you go. Are you kidding me? He's got on it. and on and on. Is so much thing? ranchero music. It is. No, is it really? Is oh, it? it's it's a lot of ranchero music, and I've always joked if I can get a, a time traveling DeLorean, I'm going to go back. Can I swear on this? Go ahead. I would go back in time and kill the motherfucker that invented the tuba. (laughs) 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 That guy. So, do you not ever want to play? You just you let the other folks. No, I'm. I'm, It's it's as a 46 year old man, I'm gonna say that on bottling days, um, there's there's definitely some like Taylor Swift and Adele blasting, and the the one winery rule is if someone like you from Adele comes on, you gotta start singing like the real like the awkward. Oh yeah. Never mind. I'll find somebody like you. Right. No. gets a robust <laughs> giggle Dude, from the crowd. I love that. That's you know. such a good one. I think Easy on Me is a fun one to just blur out. There you too. go. Are there other little markets that you just see kind of on fire, maybe more than others? Or is there a, oh, yeah. is it a pretty even spread? Yeah. No, 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 no. There's, there's that, that little place called New York mm. uh, in New York City. Uh, yeah, we're, it's we're, awesome. It's just blowing up for us there. That's huge because that's a really, pro- I would imagine, you correct me if I'm wrong, I imagine a hard market to like bust open because one, they are already good at giving wine from Europe and yeah. have been forever. Yeah. The thing about New York, it is Hearst headquarters in Manhattan. So oh, cool. Yeah. So everybody oh. knows Hearst there and there's 4,000 employees alone at, at Hearst headquarters. So they we sell a lot of wine just to the employees, yeah. but Christmas gifts booming. Yeah. The corporate Christmas yeah. gifts. In fact, uh, one person that has a, a big company in Houston buys all of their corporate gifts from us. Uh, a bank uh, from Korea, uh, South Korea. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever gone to Kim? You've ever been to the Kim Jong? You've been to Pyongyang or what? Well, <laughs> I, I was in Hawaii a couple of years ago when he sent us a present. Uh, they thought, remember then uh, the, uh, the 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 missed call on the uh, incoming missile that was coming yes, over to hit I Hawaii, do. and it was not a threat. It was real, and we were there. We were in Hawaii. No way. Yeah, that was. You fun. know my boy Kunal. Kunal Mittal from LXV, he was working with Sony, and his phone, they're about to go on vacation, him and Nita, and he's working for Sony, this is the Sony hack, yeah. North Korea hacks the phones, wakes up, imagine looking at your phone with just a skull on it, your phone's not working, and Kim Jong-un has got your phone, crazy, talk about a story, <laughs> Right? Kim Jong-un just straight hacked your phone. Wow. That's wild. It's so cool. That to had see. to be his wife, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's yeah. pretty powerful, too. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, she could definitely I bet it was her. She yeah. could probably handle Mess with that me, too. pal. Yeah, Look right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have Hearst Ranch Winery. How do we, Soren, taste these wines, and how can we learn more about the winery? Uh, we have two tasting rooms. The, uh, the flagship if you will, because it, it, it was the first one is over in San Simeon on the coast. And uh, it's it's beautiful. It's about a quarter acre on a bluff overlooking the ocean. And the wah, wah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a real tough time out Short there. Short going over there. Yeah. We have food available um, from, from uh, field to table. Great. And just absolutely a, a delightful experience. And then we have a secondary tasting room here at the winery on uh, North River Road in Paso Robles. How often are we open here? This this time of year, we're, we're five days a week, and then the other two days by appointment, we'll go to seven days a week in a couple of weeks. In Paso Robles, but seven in days Paso, a week at the coast. Seven right? days a week at the coast, yep. yeah. And do we want to uh, make appointments? Do we want to just walk yeah, in? Can yeah, you come yeah. in on North River Road, or do we want to make an appointment? Uh, Paso's easy to walk in. Uh, it, if you want to make sure that it's not going to be a problem, you go to talk, you know, T-O-C-K, and make your appointment here or for San Simeon. And then uh, I would be uh, remiss not mentioning that we're reopening Sebastian's. It just went through a two-year remodel. Wow. So we are reopening Sebastian's general store in June, June 1st. 
and uh, that will be a fun little place. Also, Field the Table will be running the, the deli there for us. We'll have wines, beers. and You've always had great food and great it, stuff. The food there. is going to be over the top there as well, yeah. so that'll be fun. It'll be really cool. So we've got a little community there in, in Old San Simeon Village. So you really do. It's going to be fun. And this is where, I mean, if we want to like bring back that Hearst lineage, this is yep. where a William Randolph Hearst would bring in antiquities from Europe, yep. literally pull them in on that pier that we see, yep. and then bring them into that uh, kind of hangar right next to your tasting room. Yep, yep, yep. And then they would find their way in time up there on the uh, <laughs> Up on to the, the Enchanted Hill. hill. Yep. Oh, man. Yeah, isn't that something? It is really something. But who built that, that first building uh, there, it's called the 1878 Warehouse, the old wooden warehouse, yes. was uh, W.R.'s father, George. And what an interesting man he was. So I encourage anybody that wants to learn a little Hearst history, they, they, they uh, pick up a book on George Hearst. He is, was an amazing man. Were you also fascinated with the Hearst history of things? Is this why another reason that you were, I mean, have you always been fascinated with that aspect <laughs> growing up here or what? Well, growing up here, uh, I, I, who I knew was George Hearst, uh, not the G- George Hearst that I just talked to you about that passed many, many years ago in the 1870s. I wasn't here then. No, no, no. <laughs> so I knew it was coming at him. But, no, come on. But uh, Steve's father, George Hurst, uh, who was the chairman of the board of, of Hurst Corporation, um, was a good friend of mine. And we did a lot of stuff together. He was a very uh, philanthropic man and did a lot of stuff at the, at the Mid-State Fair. And yeah. He contributed a lot of money and, I, and then conned me into building it for him. And I would end up contributing money as well. And we would do a lot of fun things for the community. But George was a good friend. And uh, I was having lunch with him one day, years after I had met him. And he was bitching about having to go to New York the next day. And I said, George, what do you have to go to New York for? And he goes, well, I've got a meeting there tomorrow. I said, well, can't you just do that on the phone? And he goes, well, no, I, I have to be there. I said, why? He goes, well, I'm the chairman. Said, the chairman of what? He goes, the Hearst Corporation. I said, well, what's that? <laughs> Swear to God, I just didn't know the depth. Right. So uh, I said, well, do you go to L.A. or San Francisco and fly out of there? And he looked at me with a contorted <laughs> expression. He said, they picked me up here. I said, who picks you up here? He goes, the company picks me up here in a plane. We fly to New York. I said, well, who goes with you? Uh, your wife and he goes I go by myself usually she doesn't want to go to New York he goes you want to go I said tomorrow and he said yeah tomorrow I said sure so I picked up the phone I called Debbie and I said I'm going to go to New York with George tomorrow and she said why (laughs) I said well he invited because I can yeah so So I'll never forget so the first trip that I I went to New York uh, with George on um, Met him at the Paso Robles Airport. He said, be there by 5.15. So I was there at 5.15 and walked in, and he goes, where have you been? It's 5.15. I said, yeah. He goes, well, if you're not, if you're not early, you're late. Uh, so, so, that's, an old re- that's an old radio term. Yeah, so let's if, you're early, if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. If you're late, you're fired. Yeah. So that old was George. School. Yeah, well, newspaper guy. You know, yes, so. right? <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. So I, I went to New York with him, and I just started, because it was opening up. You know, and now I'm learning a little bit more about the, the history of the family, and George started talking to me about his life, and for five hours, I learned the most incredible things about that man that I would love to share with the world. He was just an incredible individual. I bet those stories were fun to relay to Steve later on. Yes. Yeah. Well, he, he'd heard him a million I'm sure times. He, I'm <laughs> sure he heard him, but in a different way, of yeah, course, right? Way, like, yeah. And you must have been kind of touched that you had this affinity for his dad yeah. and knew these things on your own accord. Yeah. But you would never have 
suspected George of being a very wealthy man because he was just an old cowboy. I mean, if you saw George in downtown Paso Robles, isn't he had that kind of the best? blue jeans and you know cowboy hat, always cowboy. Isn't hat. that the best kind of money though? I love that. I love when you see someone I like... I'll let you know. Some, <laughs> but I mean, like, no, when no, someone's but, just rocking yeah. in some jeans and a shirt and they're... But, you know, like, I mean, you know, I think that's cool. I think that's a cool way to yeah, to be with your your riches and your wealth. Yeah. Just where people don't even... They don't even assume it because you're just such a down-to-earth, ride-or-die kind of dude. Yeah. So or, I, or gal. I knew, you yeah. know, whatever it is. I never that's had dope. any idea that, that he had had that depth. And, and so we landed at, at Teterboro and went to their office building downtown Manhattan, and I was blown away. Really? You, oh. drink, you drink on the way over there? Where was the Actually, like? he, he's, he, he was very conservative. You know, he, yeah. we drank a little bit, you know, but I, I was very careful because I was so enthralled with his stories. And yeah. He's just such an amazing you man. You just don't want to do it wrong. You just want to be like. Yeah. But he, we were the only two guys in all of New York City that wore cowboy hats because he wore my cowboy so hat. Cool. He wore his, and everybody's hello. This is before the naked cowboy story. And, and that you're thinking of. Yeah, it was about the same time. Actually. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, so, you know what's interesting is uh, my first time at Paso flying out private was with Toby. Oh, geez. It's very different, <laughs> Jimmy. Because <laughs> you guys uh, didn't drink at all? Not a, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, he's his favorite people, too. So. Oh, man. He's just yeah, he's, some he, of the absolute best. He's a good guy. I can tell you some stories about him. Good stories. I'm sure, but I mean, just like it's just that old Paso that you just love. It's the yeah. coolest parts of old Paso yeah. that you love. Getting a chance to hear your stories, his, those ones. I mean, that is just, I don't know. My, my heart is very full listening to this. We've had so much fun. Uh, we got Jimmy Saunders here, Hearst Ranch Winery. Soren is here, the winemaker. Soren Christensen, uh, you've been here since 2014. Yep. And we've almost celebrated our 10-year anniversary. Yeah. This yeah. is going to be very big next year. It's exciting. We've done a lot in the meantime. <sighs> yeah. It's okay. exciting for you because I've always been a real big fan of you ever since I met you. I think that was probably Alta Kalina time when I first met you. And here's a little funny story. So we record him. We do this great show, right? And then this was like... Not like on an SD card or a unit like a roadcaster like I have here. It's like you're recording all this stuff into a, in a laptop and all the audio got corrupted. So I had to call Maggie and be like, hey, that amazing show that we all felt, that magical show we just did, <laughs> we need to recreate that like somehow because I got to go back. I've got none of it. I literally had none of it. Oh. it was like, Do you remember that? Yeah, it was the wittiest I'd ever been. Yeah, re- <laughs> all downhill from there. All downhill from there. Retake wasn't as good, huh? No, it was always. It was really, I've always loved Soren. I've always been a big fan of his. I'm so glad when I heard you came here. I think it's such a. I mean, this is a. This is a. It's a. It's a great move for you and it's just a great place for you i feel like you're just at home you're in your element and you seem comfortable and just i think it's really exciting for you so and it makes me really happy for you dude thank you adam yeah it feels really good to be here and uh, just on a on a more local level like jim and debbie have been so supportive so uh, i'm gonna give a shout out to georgia brown elementary you bet i uh, love that tell uh, me about this so it was the, the wine or the school <clears throat> Well, the school, this is Georgia Brown. That's one of these schools where they do do like dual immersion. It is, yeah. So I think it's so cool for kids who grow up in California to learn Spanish. Yep, I think it is badass. It is necessary, and these uh, we have a couple schools here, and Georgia Brown is one of them. It's amazing. It's incredible. Their son Scotty was the first class when it went dual immersion, English Spanish, and Scotty just turned thirty this last year. Yeah. So fast forward, my my first year here at the winery, our oldest son started kindergarten. And he's about to start high school. So we've, we've had the whole long haul with Georgia Brown. I went to career day today and told kids that it's a hell of a great idea to be a winemaker. Apologize to those parents. But, um, 
But Jim and Debbie have been so incredibly supportive of the community. We did a fun run out here to f raise money for the school called Run for the Hills. So we hosted Georgia Brown and ran around the property that you saw with the, the cattle weren't there chasing us quite yet. Uh, there, there, were, there were no longhorns at the time. But yeah, just it's, it's a great working environment for me. And then just to know that there are such great supporters of the community, it, it really makes my wife and I feel really invested and, and good about the time that we, you know, that I spend here and that we yeah. invest emotionally into this company. Yeah, it so. makes your heart full and your it wife's totally heart full. totally does. And your home full. Yep. That's really cool. Isn't it amazing how you could kind of consider there could be some folks, especially someone who's from Old Paso, you know, you're here on the West Coast and you're like, you know, no, you, we're not going to be learning Spanish. You, you know, they, they yeah. should all, but no, like this, I mean, I think that is so interesting and so cool how like we're seeing, I mean, look, you know business better than anybody. And like to know, to have that value of being, to be able to speak Spanish here, especially if you're doing business in California, it's massive. Quick, quick story. My Please. wife was on the school board the year that, uh, that program almost got killed the second year that it almost got killed and my wife stood firm and got a lot of community support and and kept it alive and thank god you know it, it is such a great successful program yeah it's so you know cool. it still fights its fights you know, and it has a lot of battles but but what a great great school yeah Raising some great young uh, young men and young women. Yeah. Um, give my love to Debbie. Will do. Thanks, Adam. It's always really good to see you, Jim. Really good You're to see really you, my friend. You're really important to me. Uh, Soren, as you are, too, it's really cool to have you here and to uh, have you both here. It's crazy because, like, I've been... Poor Jimmy. Because I, I want him to like me, Soren. And if you were to look at my text to him, it'd just be a whole lot of blue bubbles of me just like bugging the shit out of him. Yeah. So yeah, he's yeah. like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, come no, on, they were, Jimmy. They were nice. You know, I mean, I'm trying to just get a good podcast here. And yeah. you know I wanted you a while, and you're a busy dude. But I really thank you for coming. No, it's my pleasure, honestly. It is. I'm sorry it took us so long to get no, together. You have nothing to apologize for. It's uh, it's my pleasure to have you here. And thank you so much for hosting me uh, as nicely as you as you both have hearstranchwinery.com looking for the website correct yes yeah. hearstranchwinery.com you don't necessarily need an appointment I think if you're going to go to the coast you probably want one I think if you're going to go you know just try and make one either way but you can come to this North River Road locale it's picturesque Paso beauty you're looking right over the riverbed and the row crops the backside of you is all this beautiful topography. Soren put it so good when we were on the Kubota. He's like, people talk about the east side of Paso being flat. Look at this. And we got beautiful rolling hills and topography here. Yeah. It's just stellar. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. We love it. Let's, um, we, first of all, my friend, you need a little wine in your glass. And to Soren and your winemaking. Oh, perfect. Thank you. Yeah. And to Jimmy Saunders. Thanks for sharing where wine takes you. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Soren. Yeah. Good stuff. Give me that moonshine. We'll get by. We pass on around till the job is Camped out in the trees. It will simplify good company. Love it. Love you, Jimmy. Thank you so much, Soren. Both these gentlemen. HurstRanchWinery.com is the website. Now, for our Travel Paso Spotlight, there are so many places to stay here. Accommodations, we are not short on accommodations here in Paso. But one of the things I love doing is getting the family together, maybe even a few couples together, when you go somewhere fun, and rent a house. Rent a place that feels like home where you can use the kitchen as you want it. Put your feet up on the couch, you know, and really make it feel like home when you're not. And Paso Robles Vacation Rentals is perfect at that. They have over 150 properties with their 
uh, clients that look, I mean, if you want a, a one, two bedroom unit, a studio downtown, or you want like a six bedroom vineyard house for, you know, a bunch of couples, you can literally do it all. We got Susie here talking about Paso Robles Vacation Rentals. It's great to talk to you. How you doing? Doing great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, Susie. I'm excited because as we've always talked about Paso becoming just bigger, the energy is more grand. It's just become definitely a thing. Uh, Vacation rentals are a great way to kind of get out and appreciate what Paso has to offer, but do it all kind of like feeling like you're at home while you're doing it, you know? Absolutely. Uh, Paso has definitely become a destination. Um, I mean, and why wouldn't it? Absolutely gorgeous and we love it. And, you know, Getting a vacation rental is a great way to spend time with your family or, you know, maybe some couples getting together, reunions, that sort of thing, where you have all the comforts of home, a kitchen, a backyard, a barbecue, and all that kind of thing. But then, you know, you can go out during the day and enjoy the wineries and the breweries and everything else. Paso has to offer. Um, get out into the, you know, go do some hikes, whatever, and come back and really relax and cook dinner and then, you know, enjoy each other's company as well. So if I'm thinking like for, let's say family, two kids, or maybe I want to get together like seven or eight couples even, and I'll go in on like some, um, you know, big ass vineyard house or something pretty cool like that. You really have, you really have clients and houses and connections that can facilitate all that and everything in between. Yes, for sure. Um, We have small little one bedrooms. Um, a lot, a lot of those are downtown in the little cottage homes downtown, um, walking distance to the park and the restaurants and all the downtown, uh, tasting rooms and that sort of thing. Or if you want to enjoy the country, you can get into a house, um, you know, just outside of Paso, um, and really enjoy the, you know, open space. Um, we also have large homes that are on vineyards or that are adjacent to vineyards. Um, very spacious with pools and a little bit more luxurious. So you can get a big group together or we have many um, families that are coming in for weddings. Uh, we don't do events at our homes, but um, you know, we have a lot of people that uh, get together and they're going to a wedding. And so several family members will stay at a house and um, really in, enjoy a, a large space with a pool and uh, uh, spa and everything. Yeah, so I encourage folks to check out PasoStay.com. That's the website for Paso Robles Vacation Rentals. Super easy. PasoStay.com. And from there, I mean, I guess you can kind of peruse the different, oh, I'm looking for a three-bedroom. I'm looking for a two-bedroom. Or, But what's cool is that really there's benefits to using you, like to go into you guys first before you go check out Airbnb or VRBO. Because I understand a lot of your properties might be on Airbnb and VRBO like the rest of them are, but why are there advantages to going directly with you first? So we do um, have our properties on those other platforms. That gives us maximum exposure for our owners. But um, a little travel tip for anyone is that if you do uh, go to the local uh, vacation rental spot, and that would be us, Pastor Robles Vacation Rentals, um, you will save on booking fees because the other sites, Airbnb, VRBO, they do charge a booking fee that can be up to 15%. So it can be quite a bit when you're 
if you have, you know, if you're going for a week and you're staying, um, that can actually, you know, get to that can add get, up. get pretty high as far as a booking fee. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely, that's just right? basically how they make their money. So, you know, they uh, have people putting their homes on their sites, and that's the booking fee is how they um, create their income. But if you go directly to the local uh, vacation rental company, they will um, – You most of them don't have booking fees. So um, it's a great way to save some money. And um, plus, you know, you want to go local anyways and um, uh, support the local economy. So everything from cottages downtown to these beautiful, big, elaborate vineyard houses with six bedrooms, you really got something for anyone. So whether you're making your way out to Paso and want to just do a little, you know, kind of home away from home with the kids, or you want to get a bunch of couples together and do it right, you come out, you can have the perfect getaway. You got to check out PasoStay.com. Susie, uh, Kathy, and Brian, the whole team over there at Paso Robles Vacation Rentals will take good care of you. Let them know you heard about it on the Where Wine Takes You podcast. Susie, I can't thank you enough for chiming in with us and uh, giving us the 411 on how this all works with uh, the Paso Robles Vacation Rentals. I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you, Adam. We really appreciate it as well. Unless someone think that you guys are only Paso Robles. I mean... From the top of the grade, Santa Margarita, all the way up way north of Paso in San Miguel and everything in between, right? That's true. We have homes in Templeton and Atascadero, and there's lots of great wineries and things to do in all those areas. So we try to run the gamut of the county, and um, you know there are beautiful homes everywhere. PasoStay.com. You got to check it out. My thanks to Susie for being on the Where Wine Takes You podcast. Susie, thanks a lot. Cheers. Thank you. Well, thanks so much to Susie from Paso Robles Vacation Rentals for your next trip. Make sure you check them out. Log on to PasoStay.com. And anything else related to your next trip, thanks to Travel Paso for giving us the Travel Paso Spotlight and want you to check out TravelPaso.com. Fun episode of Where Wine Takes You, which is executive produced by Joel Peterson and Paso Wine, associate producer Jim Bravo. And thank you so much to Jamie Guzman for fulfillment. The podcast is hosted, produced, recorded, by yours truly. Original music on the podcast. Good company. Performed by Moonshiner Collective. Stream them wherever you get your music and learn more. Moonshinercollective.com. Technical consideration and equipment transport provided by your friends at Fly With Wine. The next time you're cruising around the Central Coast, you can tune me in on your radio. My morning show. Heard weekday mornings. Up and Adam in the morning on Wine Country Radio, The Crush 92.5. We've got a website. Spell it with a K, crush, K-R-U-S-H 925.com. Also got a free app in your smartphone. Well, thanks so much for connecting with us once again. I am your host, Adam Montiel. Here's to the beauty of Paso and its rich history. May we continue to cherish and appreciate the small town legends, like the man who's been working here in the area since the early 60s, and the wineries that he then creates, like Hearst Ranch Winery, that honor and respect the land. Let's raise a glass to the sustainable practices that preserve the beauty of our wine country for generations to come. And to you, cheers to planning your next trip to Paso, where the people are exceptional, the wines, come on, and the memories are priceless. To sharing and enjoying where wine takes you. And give me that pain.